Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Public Safety Now on Hexagon Radio. I'm your host, John Whitehead, VP of Sales for the U.S. Public Safety at Hexagon Safety and Infrastructure Division. We got a really exciting topic, I think, for Telecommunicators Week. Uh, this is just an exciting time for me, right, as being someone who's actually sat in the chair and uh, rode the chair, as I think the industry term is now. Uh, I think this is going to be a great topic to be able to talk about. Uh, and our guest today is is someone that I actually respect. He, he started the IM911 movement and the Within the Trenches podcast. And, and if you haven't heard that yet, that is just a it's, it's just a great podcast, just real life dispatchers talking about things that affect us in the in the telecommunicators world. So I'm excited about this uh, about this discussion. Ricardo Martinez, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me on. I ask you here today to, to talk about a topic that's that's going on. I guess uh, the U.S. Representative uh, Norman Torres of California, her and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, they've introduced this new bill in uh, called 911 Saves. I know there's a long federal name for it, I'm sure, but 911 Saves Act is, is what we're going to talk about. And it's all about reclassifying 911 call takers and dispatchers from support staff being office and administrative support occupations to having them in the protective services occupation. So this is something that's coming up. I know it's something near and dear to your heart. And can you kind of tell us a little bit about what this 911 Saved Act is and what your involvement is with it? Yeah. So um, as you said, you know, it's called the 911 Saves Act, and it's it's spearheaded by uh, Congresswoman Torres and Congressman Fitzpatrick. And Torres herself, being a former 911 dispatcher, uh, I believe maybe 17 years uh, around there with uh, LAPD. And then uh, Fitzpatrick is former FBI. So they got together and um, started working on this bill. Um, it would require the director of the OMB or the Office of Management and Budget to review and make revisions to the, uh, it's called the Standard Occupational Classification System. Right now, currently, 91 dispatchers are, um, they are categorized as clerical workers. They're, in there with uh, administrative staff, uh, as well as commercial dispatchers for, um, you know, taxi service, as well as um, uh, semi-trucks and such. But with this new bill, uh, if it's passed and all, uh, which we're all hoping that it that does get passed, uh, this would now put them, uh, it would move them over to the uh, protective services class. And, and that includes police, fire, and EMS, uh, you know, even lifeguards and, and such are, are in that as well. Um, for the act itself, for the bill, my involvement in that part of it um, really was just the fact that I was I was the one who got to make the announcement during uh, Nina's uh, that's the National Emergency Number Association for their their 2019 91 goes to Washington conference that they have, and it was just the day after I had spoken to Congresswoman Torres in her. Uh, office, we we did uh, an episode. I believe it was episode 236 of Within the Trenches, and we were talking about this bill. The next day, uh, in the afternoon, I got the chance to be standing right in front of the Rayburn Building, which is across from the Capitol, and I went live on both Facebook and Instagram to announce that this bill was coming out. At the time, uh, I didn't know the name or anything like that. They just gave me minimal information that I could give out at the time, but it was the coolest thing to be there and say this and announce it over there. And that video exploded. It, it blew up and it was shared over and over and over from people because this is, this is something really big uh, that's been going on. So with the bill itself, I didn't have much involvement with what they were doing to put it together. But when you talk about raising awareness for the issue of reclassification in that uh, sense, I, 
have played a, a big role. Nice. Very nice. Well, and that's why we said we've got to get this guy on our podcast, right? I mean, especially for Telecommunicators Week. I mean, he's the one on the video. He's the one that made the announcement. So congratulations for having that honor. I mean, I think it's a it's a great thing. You know, what's fun about this is, you know, I remember back in the 90s and, and sitting there at the desk and, and as a dispatcher, you know, th- there's no doubt in our minds, we know that we are we are a huge part of that process, right? I mean, I, I firmly believe we are the first first responders. You know, when someone's calling 911, you're the person picking up the phone. You're the one that, that's that's listening to the worst time in that person's life, or at least in that week, their worst time. Right, um, yeah. And I and I always thought it was kind of funny as, as I read articles over the years talking about, you know, professionals that that's really what these types of things are for professional firefighters or professional police officers i mean and and it's it's funny right because we think of that word and i know being from uh, my side of the microphone i know that 911 personnel are, are pro- professionals and that what they do is is an intense job and needs to be that why do you think that it's taken so long to to kind of bring this to light is it just been not really pushed in the background, or is there opposition somewhere on this deal? Well, I, I think that's that's one of the the big things. You know, you're talking about the word professional. You know, you look at doctors, lawyers, or teachers, and such. And if you look at that occupation, and and even if you're including those that are out in the field, you know, please fire EMS. Um, you know, doctors they save lives. Lawyers, whether they're saving an innocent person from being put away for something they didn't do, or they're putting someone away for something they did do. And they're ultimately helping either the victims or anybody who might come in contact with that person uh, who had committed a crime or something. They are ultimately saving lives as well. You look at teachers, yep. they they guide. They're the voice of reason. You know, some of the stories that people say about teachers that they met growing up, you know, if they were a troubled youth or something like that, you know, they, they say, this teacher, they, they really taught me something. They told, They taught me how to do this or that. That person saved my life. Now, you look at 911 dispatchers. And they do all of that. If you're, if you're looking at doctors, lawyers, teachers, those types of occupations, 911 dispatchers do that all combined and more. So dispatchers too are saving lives. You know, you got a domestic that, that is coming in. And at that time, especially myself, I, I was a dispatcher for 13 and a half years. And I, I remember taking a few domestic calls where I was talking to both parties. I had the husband and the wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or whichever on and now i'm a marriage counselor and i'm I'm trying to figure that out as well you know (laughs) so all of that that is the the definition of being professional and and i think one of the reasons that has taken so long really is because people have had that old school mentality where 911 dispatchers are note-taking and sending out the information They, they don't really look at the fact that they're doing all of these different occupations in one and it's all yep. at a split yep. second and under stress and everything is is crazy, but it's a new day. Uh, I love that it's a new day because that's absolutely correct. You know, <laughs> years and years ago, I, I know this is anecdotal, right? And everybody knows these stories, but, you know, dispatch, oh, that was the place that the injured firefighter, the injured police officer, let's go ahead and put them in there. Oh, you know, we've got that one officer who's ready to retire, probably doesn't need to walk the beat, but let's go ahead and put him into, in, into the radio room. So let's say that's where it started. Let's say that's not anecdotal, that that is really how it started, right? And from that, I know the time and the effort that it takes, the certifications, the training, I mean, the degree programs that are available out there, 
the word professional absolutely fits in the 911 dispatch world. And like I said, I am very proud to have been a part of that and, and continue to be part of that uh, in doing that, just just moving this forward and helping out anywhere we can. So let's let's switch gears here just a little bit. How does this advance the industry? So this type of bill going through, you know, okay, check the box. Let's say it passes through and and it happens. The 911 Save Act gets passed. How does this help advance the issue and, and advance our, our industry as 911 dispatchers? It's all about recognition, right? There's a lot of different levels of when this is coming in that this will end up affecting. And, you know, most of it, I believe, I don't know how all of it works, you know, in the back end. You know, let's just say specifically for the federal level. I've heard so many different things of how this will help advance uh, dispatching in the 911 industry and such for those who are doing this job, whether it be different pay scale, um, hours worked, you know, they'll they'll have the ability to to switch from just eight hours to 12 hours if they want, uh, because some dispatch centers don't do uh, more than eight hours. Benefits for mental health and wellness, you know, any training, uh, even the retirement age, which I, I think is more of a, a state level um, if you're looking at you know, advancement in that sense where um, you can switch from having to work, you know, 30 years to 25 years. But again, if that is actually how it works, you know, then, you know, this is definitely needed to be done in, in yeah. the uh, federal level. But the the resources that dispatch centers will end up getting, um, whether it be for training or the wellness of their uh, their people, you know, that. That is that is huge, and that alone is going to help advance the industry in that sense. Because you know, you look at all the the phone calls that people take, and up until recently, maybe three or so years ago, you, know, you would kind of hear that PTSD was you know alive in nine hundred one dispatch, but you know people kind of pushed it off. Or if there's any debriefings or anything, dispatch was always left out. People didn't really know what dispatch was doing, and 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 also, you know, there's you know, the, the dispatchers don't stay, you know, because there's not training opportunities. There's not, you know, other benefits that end up coming with this. So to advance the industry and for something like this to get passed, um, and if it works at that level, this would be enormous. Yeah, I remember uh, back when I was there, when I started, I guess there, you know, and again, as, as the industry grew and, and people started understanding a little bit more, uh, they put us on, on similar schedules as um, the sheriff's department. So we were, when I started working, three 12-hour shifts one week and four 12-hour shifts the next week. And it was a great schedule. At some point, someone uh, got legal involved. The next thing you know, uh, there was this issue of, well, you're clerical and you're you're working more than 40 hours, so you should have clearly been receiving eight hours of overtime on that second week. And, you know, it's 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 kind of bizarre because at the time I was a dispatcher. I really wasn't, you know, kind of paying attention. Oh, great. My schedule is going to change. But as I look back now, it's it almost seems silly. And I and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I think right now uh, my old center is working three 12 hour shifts and one four hour shift to where they're keeping within that 40 hour zone. And again, I'm not sitting here saying dispatchers should work, you know, all this overtime and not be compensated. We're not going to go down that road. But what I am saying is just those little things. I, I'm excited that those things are going to be taken off the plate. Let us let's let the dispatch world focus on what really matters. And to your point, the certifications and the things that they need to be focusing on, because 
it, it, it truly is an area where I shouldn't have to worry about, did they work 40 hours this week or 36 hours this week? And I need to focus on just allowing them to do their job. All right. So let's let's say some other people that were listening to this and it's not just all about dispatch for a minute. What can the public or, or other 911 stakeholders do? Right. You know, our, our, our friends in the police world and the fire and EMS world, emergency services in general. What can others do to help? You know, people need to learn more about 911. So whether you're coming from the public or, you know, public safety, those out in the field, take the time to learn a little more about 911 dispatchers, what they do, why they do it. And, uh, you know, for those in the public, if there's a citizens academy that's going on, go ahead and join that up because that, that part of the citizens academy brings you through dispatch. I remember being in dispatch and a lot of people would come in and they would, they would see what was going on and they would say, wow, this is completely different from what I thought it was. And I remember we would ask and, and say, what, what did you, would you expect, you know, to see? Mm-hmm. And, they would mention, you know, whatever they saw in movies or TV or something or, <laughs> you know, these huge screens and maps where you're able to pinpoint everyone. It would say it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, it, it makes for good TV, but uh, we can't pinpoint people that well. <laughs> There's so much to it. A good example for for those that are out in the field is when I first started doing the podcast, I think I was maybe on even just it was either episode four or five. Wow. I was. A long time ago, I'm on episode 241 now, but but one of the deputies that I worked with, he sent me a message and he ended up saying, you know, I've learned more about 911 Dispatch listening to the podcast in the first three episodes than I have in my entire, I, I think he was working 12 or 13 years with the sheriff's department. And he goes, more people need to learn about this because now I know why you guys send me off to another channel and tell me to stand by. It's not because you guys are slacking or anything. It's because you're doing 20 things at once. And I would yep. say, thanks, man. I appreciate that. So I think that's one of the biggest things is educate yourself. You know, learn more about uh, about 911 dispatch and, and what it is that they're doing. And if you call 911 and you get put on hold, it's not because we're, we just want to put you on hold. I know, you know, people uh, think, well, I'm calling 911. Why am I being put on hold? I have an emergency. Well, you're not the only one who has an emergency. There's several people who have emergencies going on. So that's probably the biggest thing, education. I agree. And I think that the what they'll find is that they're going to be very surprised and, and kind of like that that emergency service person that reached out to you. I think they're going to be very surprised at what they're finding and, and making sure that they're understanding the industry a little bit more. It's not just dispatchers as support staff, right? They're actually a critical partner and, and they're part of that first response from the, the initial phone call until when that officer or firefighter gets on the scene. I mean, these are people that are there virtually holding the patient's hand or virtually being with the person tucked in a closet as someone's breaking into their home. I mean, these people go through that. You know, back in the day, we used to do uh, I'd go and I'd volunteer firefighting and we would have a bad call and we'd all sit down and do the stress debriefing. But then I'd go to work and I'd be up at 911 and you'd get off the phone with someone who had just lost one of their loved ones at whatever age. And you just kind of sit back and go get a cup of coffee and off you go to the next phone call. And I found it very ironic back then. And again, you're doing the job. You're not really thinking about it. But I found it very ironic as I look back now, the differences, the difference of being out there live and the difference between out there virtual I personally believe it's it's almost tougher to be on a phone call with somebody 
because and, and I've, I've described it this way. You read the first, you know, you got a four chapter book. You get to read the first three chapters and then close the book and someone else has to finish the book for you. That can be almost as stressful. So understanding what these people are deal- dealing with, the fact that they're handling these types of calls, hanging up, going right to another one. That is just a, a, a bang, bang type of mentality, if you will, that the dispatchers, I just I just have a lot of respect for in the industry, for sure. So let's uh, let's let's just change gears here a little bit is, as you know, you know, being with Hexagon, what can the vendors do? What can what can we help with? You know, we're trying to get out there. We're trying to educate and, and make sure that people understand what's going on. But what can we as vendors do to help address some of the challenges that the 911 community is facing? There are many things looking looking back now as to when I was in dispatch. But I'll, I'll say this to continue to promote, you know, the, the, the hard work that I want dispatchers do. I'll give an example here as I was the uh, keynote speaker for the uh, North Carolina conference last fall. And when I was there, I did a session called Imagine Listening. And that session uh, gives the 911 dispatchers the opportunity to tell their own I am 911 stories. and I had gotten up on the stage, and the the crazy thing about this is that not only was this a live audience episode that I did for the podcast, but this was also in the same room. It was an amphitheater, and all of the vendors were there as well. Mm. And I didn't realize at the time that my session was going to be in there with all of them. So what I said to them was, um, you know, for all of you, you know, industry partners that are here that are about to listen to this, if you don't know what dispatchers do, you're about to find out and it's going to get a little intense. And almost halfway through, actually before halfway through the first few stories that were told, the majority of the industry partners that were there in the vendor hall were standing right in back of all the dispatchers who are pouring their hearts out, telling their stories. And in that session alone, those industry partners were learning way, way more than they had ever known before. And, and I say this because later on, um, during the, one of the receptions that they were doing, several of them came up to me and said that that was an amazing session, that they didn't, they knew about dispatch, they knew certain things, but they didn't know how intense it was until they were listening to those stories. So continuing to promote, to con- continuing to learn uh, as an industry partner, but also to create and offer services that are, that work well and, and, and work the way, you know, they're supposed to in order to, um, you know, to continue to, to help and make the job easier for those who are using uh, whatever products that the industry partner is putting out there. Um, I gave a, a talk to um, some some people who had come in from uh, a community college here in town, and they were doing a tour of the the building here where I work at Indigital, and they're coders. And I told them uh, all the the funny stuff about dispatch, but then I told them also some of the harsh stuff about dispatch. And I told them, you know, when you're building this software, when you when you're coding all of this stuff, you need to make sure to take the extra time to figure out what you're doing and make sure that it's right, because those who are going to end up using this. If it messes up, if something happens, if something you know is, is screwed up in the code or whatever that you had put in there, it could it could potentially either cost a life, or it's going to make the time go down to where the dispatchers won't be able to move as fast as they can when they're putting in, just say for example, a CAD complaint or something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Years ago, when I started here. 
you know, we would get ideas from different dispatchers and dispatchers said, well, you know, you need to have this, uh, this feature in, in the product. And, and we'd have, uh, you know, we come back and we'd be excited about the idea and we'd tell our developer about it and developers, plural, would sit there and say, I think we could do that. And they'd, they'd put together their thoughts and they'd put it in and all of a sudden there'd be a new button or a new feature within the product. And, and what we found is, okay, that works, right? You get, you move forward listening to the people that are using your products, but it became all of a sudden where there was a lot of features and a lot of functionality. And over the last several years, we brought in a, what we call a user experience team. And it's one area where I, where I challenge vendors to do exactly that. It is going in and doing sit-ins. It is going in and understanding why is, why is it a bad that someone has to click the button two times instead of just once? Uh, we took it down actually to a scientific level and I was really, I'm really proud of this team. They actually put eye tracers and things on the actual computer that says when a dispatcher sits down, their eyes go to this part of the screen. When officer calls out in a traffic stop, their immediate reaction is to grab for this side of the screen. It, it was extremely interesting to see the scientific data come out of that and then be able to roll that out into products that can that can assist 911 dispatchers. To me, that's that's where the vendors got to go. And back to your original point, it is standing in the back of the room. It is listening to what they're doing live every day. It is doing the sit-ins and the ride-alongs and and truly understanding the industry uh, that, that we're working with, to me, to me, that's that's absolutely um, critical as far as being a vendor and in this community. So I know that there's a lot of things, and we're we're kind of wrapping up here, coming down to the end of this. But I know that there's a lot of of dispatchers out there. You briefly mentioned it a little a little bit ago, right? Turnover is is happening. Attrition rates of of seventy five percent, you know, twenty five percent that they're always turning over and and trying to fill those positions. Do you have any advice, you know, as you're out there talking to some of the the nine one one professionals, and you know how this bill may help, but if they're discouraged about their current lack of recognition, do you have any advice for those types of people? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I chuckle because I, I've spoken to a lot of people who have who've said, you know. We go into work and, you know, we're going to hope for what we do. You know, this is a calling. This is, this is what we love to do. But sometimes the environment can be toxic. And I just keep telling people, you know, don't let it stop you. When you're going in, especially new people, when you're going into this, know that it's a, a thankless job. But what you're doing is amazing. You are the most vital piece of 911 of public safety of that whole emergency process. It all starts with dispatch, but also with that sense when, when those are discouraged, you know, if, if there's any directors or assistant directors that are going to, uh, you know, going to be listening to this as well, it all starts with you. You know, it starts from the top. And yeah. if, if we've got directors that are not showing or promoting, you know, their people or, you know, focusing on them and helping them out, it's going to create chaos. That's why you've got such short staffing, you know, and that's, that's one of my big things or my beliefs rather, you know, it's just me speaking that that's one of the, the bigger issues with uh, short staffing is there are some dispatch centers that I know of that really do it right. Say they don't want that recognition because they are there. They're doing their job. They love what they do. But every now and then a little bit of encouragement can go a long way. Yeah, I agree. We've got a, uh, we've got a, one of our customers and I was out there visiting them just a few months ago. Uh, and I'm just going to, I'll say their name, El Paso. 
Uh, and El Paso 911 has really stepped up and, and as, as a past dispatcher, I mean, I was in awe as I walked around the thought process that they put into building their new center, just the lighting itself. They put in ambient lighting that, that kind of goes with the time of day. It'll, it'll brighten up and it'll dim down based on the time of day. It's bringing in skylights. It's bringing in, um, different types of, of hardware and different types of desks to make sure that the dispatchers are in an environment that is going to allow them to do this job over and over and over again for hours and hours every day. And to your point, it does start at the top. It is all about the the leaders and why I'm proud of El Paso is because they actually stepped up and did the research, brought in the the, the people that said, let's just don't throw some fluorescent bulbs at a ceiling. And I'm, again, I'm going back to my old days of what was above me, <laughs> but let's just don't throw some lighting in and, and not think about it. Let's really think how this goes. I mean, think about the time and energy that we put into what type of fire apparatus, what type of equipment needs to be on a, on an ambulance, what type of gear is going to make an officer out of the street successful. And I see that the professionalism within the 911 center is moving into that direction if it hasn't already. Uh, and, and I think the other thing is, here's the shameless plug, but, you know, working with groups like Nina, working with groups like APCO, uh, I mean, it's those are the types of groups that are out there that can not only provide the support, but also the guidance, whether you're in a leadership position or you're on the front line answering those phones every time. So a lot of good stuff that we've talked about today. All right. Well, we can't go away, though. We can't. Uh, not talk about the IM 911 movement. Um, if we had video cameras here, I could show you my little, uh, banner that you gave me, uh, last year. I still have that little black IM 911 here. Nice. So tell us a little bit about Within the Trenches and your podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Within the Trenches is a podcast. Uh, the tagline is true stories from the 911 dispatchers who live them. And it's based on the experience of being a 911 dispatcher. Um, I started the earliest version of this. I started in 2010. I was getting my bachelor's degree in graphic design and working in dispatch all at the same time. And there was a project that had come up about digital storytelling. And I had been playing around with the idea of telling dispatch stories. So I, I took this opportunity to put it out there. A couple of my coworkers uh, joined me and uh, I did some still pictures, added some music and narration for them. And uh, I wanted them to tell me a few things. I wanted them to tell me how they got into dispatching their best call, their worst call, and why they do what they do. And that was the earliest version of what now is within the trenches. I, I ended up uh, getting into blogging, and uh, I was—I always loved writing. So I, I was writing all the time and posting up different stories. Well, then I started uh, a written segment called Within the Trenches, and it was all of my own personal stories about 911 dispatch and, uh, and, and the experience, what it was like to take a phone call like that. And I wanted... Uh, to use that as an opportunity to educate the public because I realized the public has no idea what dispatch does. So I had done that. And then uh, during my master's program for uh, uh, new media journalism, they introduced us to podcasting. And I fell in love with that form of storytelling. And uh, from there, I, I ended up uh, getting the green light to do it. And uh, I've been telling dispatch stories since 2013. And, um, yeah, I'm on episode 240. Actually, I just posted episode 241. Uh, episode 242 is, is next, but it's just hours and hours of dispatch stories, as well as, um, 901 pro organizations and industry partners, but they're dispatchers from the United States, Canada, uh, Australia, as well as, uh, Ireland that are, that are all in there. 
Man, that is awesome. You are doing some great work. Uh, we're at the opposite end, right? This, I think, is uh, going to be our second episode here. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that you've joined us on our second episode as we kind of kick this thing off, right? Uh, I just want to wish everybody a happy National Public Safety Telecommunicators Week. Uh, depending on when you're listening, this is April 14th through the 20th of 2019. Uh, once again, I'm proud of everything that all of our dispatchers do. This 911 Act and the 911 Saves Act, I think, is a key bill. Uh, I wish our U.S. representatives luck as they push this uh, H.R. 1629 through. And, and a big thank you, Ricardo, to you as our guest. I, I appreciate the time that you've given us to us. To hear additional episodes or learn more, visit us at hxgnspotlight.com. And thanks for tuning in. <laughs>